Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today's episode is part two of my interview with Dave Jennings. Today, we break down his methodology that is featured in his new book, Systemology. This is a great episode for founders that know they need to add structure to their business so they can move out of the day-to-day. As a reminder, if you listen to and enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and share it with your friends and colleagues that might also enjoy it. Thanks for listening, and now on to the interview, part two. And I think you're right. It is overwhelming and, or it can be overwhelming, but if you, to your point on what's interesting, your perspective. So when you think about some of the systems, do you start, maybe we're going to get to this. How do you prioritize, right? Where, if I'm a business owner, what's the best for me to think about where to start with it? What processes? I'm sure it's dependent on the type of business, but help me out. And you're exactly right. That That is step one in the systemology process. So step number one is to define. And it's the whole... Pareto principle here. We're looking for the 80-20. What are the 20% of the systems that drive 80% of the results? It's a very simple exercise that can be incredibly enlightening. We can describe it here and people can follow along at home. Get an A4 bit of paper out in the top left-hand corner to write down your dream customer. So the person who pays your advertised prices, who enjoys your products and services, comes back repeatedly and refers people and you enjoy working with them. Or write that person in the top left-hand corner of the page. Underneath that, pick your primary product or service that would be a great introduction if that dream client first came to work with you. What is the first thing that they would purchase? something that would introduce them to your products and services and give them a good chance of experiencing what it's like working with you. So they're the first two things because once you get that right, everything that falls below as part of this critical client flow addresses that or, or we just keep that in mind. So the critical client flow or CCF, that's what I call this little thing. We design, it's almost like a customer journey, but not because it actually deals with also what the business's journey goes through to deliver that core product or service. And we want to map this out on one A4 page. We're going to do a series of boxes as we work down the page. We're not going to write more than one or two words to describe each box. The exercise here is around identification and defining what the critical systems are. And also you don't want to identify things that you wish you were doing. Just write down what you are doing. And, and the reason you do that is because it'll identify the holes. So you, you start at the top of the page and you think, right, firstly, attention. How do people become aware of your business? And you say, it might say, I get some referrals. Maybe you run SEO or AdWords. Maybe you speak on podcasts. Maybe you run advertisements in the local newspaper. Maybe, I mean, wh- whatever you end up doing, just list out those underneath attention. Then we move down the page, the next rung. What sort of inquiries do you have coming in and how do you respond? You might say, I get email, I get website inquiries, and I get phone inquiries. So you might just list those in the next box. You move down underneath that. What does your sales process look like? Now, this will vary from business to business, but you might go, well, I first have a little qualification call. 
And then we book them in for a Zoom meeting. And then after the Zoom meeting, I issue out a proposal. You just want to think about what are the two or three steps and list them underneath each other, not more than a word or two in each of the boxes. After the sales process, when someone's ready to go, usually we say there's a money stage here where how do you take payment? Do you take 50% up front and 50% on completion? Do you get all up front? Do you get all at the end? What, what does that look like? You just write that there if you invoice or something like that. So and really underneath the, that. Sorry, dear, that's really the transaction piece then, right? That's where you're talking money's changing hand, products going to the customer, whatever services going in. Exchange. Yeah, that's the trigger for the delivery of the service. Because okay. what I would do directly underneath that, I think about the onboarding. So yeah. what do you then do for the client? Do you get them to fill out a questionnaire? Do you, once they fill out the questionnaire, maybe you set up some project management software. Maybe you assign an account manager. There's probably a series of things, you know, you set the level of expectation for the client. Then underneath that, we move into the delivery. That would be the next box down. How do you do the actual work, the delivery? Now that system later on, when we come to the documentation is probably going to be one of the most complex because oftentimes there are subsystems underneath maybe an overview system that explains the project at a high level, depending on the business. And then finally, at the bottom of the page, it's the handover and repeat, getting them to come back or to refer. What does that look like? Now, if you draw all of that on an A4 bit of paper, you think about what it is that you're currently doing and not what you would like to do, write a few words in each. What you've just done is identified how the business can make money without key person dependency. So if you can systemize that and then you can plug in team members to do various steps of that, you're able then to deliver the core product or service without the business owner, without any key team members. And that's really level one. Now you can focus in further because all problems in business stem from a system or a process, you know, a poorly defined one or not defined at all, not documented. If someone says to me, I have a problem with leads, I'll say that, well, you probably don't have enough attention, you know, lead generation systems. I've got a problem with converting leads. Well, you probably don't have a sales process. Maybe people say, I always get these clients that always hound me. They always on the phone following me up. Where's my project? I'll say, well, you probably have a poor onboarding system and you haven't set the right expectations for the client. So if, if you've got a particular problem in your business, you can also narrow in further within the bounds of the critical client flow. But I always suggest starting with the critical client flow because the business has got to be able to make money without the business owner. And that ends up being step number one, which is the defined stage in systemology. Yeah. And wouldn't you say too, that this is also the modern buyer, right? As they're going, they don't want the owner involved. They really probably don't want as a few people as possible or take the friction out of the process or the buying process. And you know, what I like about this is that it's flexible enough and I'm guessing I was going to circle back a little bit earlier, but you, you made me trigger this is, you know, the ability within the guardrails to change as it grows, right? So if you say, here's our process and somebody's following it, that process may need to change or evolve over time, or maybe there's a better way of doing it. But if this is the process, then people aren't changing it where with your approach, it's like, hey, here's the guardrails, but we're going to get smarter as we go. It's going to evolve into your point of bringing the right people in. You want those people to kind of take ownership and say, hey, there's probably a better way we can do this. And it's almost more of a living, breathing document than it is a hard and fast, right, textbook. Is that fair? Yeah. 
it's good. You've got a keen eye because that's actually, believe it or not, it's the last stage in the systemology process. I've designed it as though the whole idea is to get something out, to remove the business owner from this process as quickly as possible, to empower the team to do it, to get a baseline. So we just model the best team members and get everybody up to that standard. And then towards the end of the process, we start to move into optimization and you look at re-engineering and maybe you call in the expert or the consultant who, you, who can help you re-engineer parts of your system. But initially, I'm always like, let's just capture what we're doing, no matter how imperfect it is. Let's just start the ball rolling. And that kind of rolls into stage number two, which is the assign stage. That's all about identifying where in the team does the knowledge reside? If you think about the critical client flow, you can then think about this speaks to the idea that the business owner is going to need to be the one to document all the systems and the processes. It's a big myth. They, they don't need to be. They often build up and it becomes a reinforcing loop that they are the knight in shining armor. All team members go to them when they've got problems. All clients, when there's a big issue, goes to the, it gets escalated to the business owner. And then the business owner starts to think that they're the ones that needs to solve these things. And then that stops them because now business systemization sits on the plate of the business owner. But the fact is for a good sized business that's thinking about systemizing and they might have five, 10, 15, 20 staff, there are going to be team members in there that know how to do parts of that critical client flow and are doing it to a good standard. Right. So it's about identifying where in the knowledge is in the business and understanding that business systemization is a two person role. You've got the person with the knowledge and then you've got the person who does the documentation. If you make it a two person role, it makes it much, much easier. And that kind of rolls then into the next step in the process, which is the extract step. And that's getting it out of the brains of the team members. And we want to make it, as easy as possible because even great team members are busy. Oftentimes your great team members are just as busy as the business owner. Sure. And, and if you go to them and say, right, we want you to document your systems and your processes. They also will go, yeah, well, I'll pop it on the to-do list or they'll, some of them won't even like systems and processes and they'll just see that as a distraction and they'll never get round to it. There are a lot of people who, in fact, probably the majority of them, they don't get excited by the idea of let's document our systems and processes. So we want to make it easy for them and we want to let them know you just do what it is that you do and we'll record you as you're doing it. And then we'll give that recording to someone else to watch. That might be recording it on a Zoom or a Loom or recording it on your iPhone. I've, I've even worked with a company, one in Australia called Portavac. They can't clean roofing gutters and they had a 20 year old give it a go curious young guy who worked at their head office and i helped them skill up his name was kane and he put a little gopro on his chest and he went out and he followed one of their lead trades people for the day he recorded them setting up the equipment he recorded them talking to clients invoicing clients doing the roofing reports packing down the equipment and then he recorded all of that just followed him around for the day came back to the office ended up chopping up those videos and then 
from there pulling the key steps that the knowledgeable worker, the tradesperson was doing. And then once that was done and a bit documented, he then emailed or sent it across to the tradesperson and says, well, I've pulled some of the key steps here. Can you take a look? But if you send them some pre-done systems based on things that they're doing, you're much more likely to get input. So those first few stages, you, you define you assign, you figure out where the knowledge is, and then you begin the extraction process, which recording them as they're doing it. And the other secret is develop what we call a system for creating systems. And you just want to have an approach for the way that you're consistently creating and organizing those systems. So there's some consistency across the board. Yeah, and I'm guessing in your book, you go into more details of how to do that, right? <laughs> yes, I, I give the system for systems. Oh, perfect. The book, when I wrote it, it was a big thing of mine. I'm always about making sure something that I do is useful and complete. I don't want someone to, the, all the books that I love, we mentioned Traction earlier is, is a great book. I felt like, and I'll speak to that one as a good example, it gave you everything. And that's what made me want to find out more. So similarly with systemology, everything that we're talking about is detailed in a system inside systemology. Awesome. I love this. And I think you're right. When I see the knowledge workers, right, it's the tribal knowledge, right? How do we get it out of the heads of folks? And they're like, well, if I do that, then I'm not important anymore. And I think the more modern organizations can get around that, but it is the effort because I think even going back to assign, you know, some people might be doing two or three roles depending on the size of the company. And so making that process as easy as possible. And, you know, I think we were talking maybe not before at some point where you can even use somebody outside the company to help you document, maybe a third set of second set of eyes helps yeah. you look at that. Right. You talked about that person, maybe it's ex corporate or something like that. Maybe someone's been laid off with all of the pandemic stuff that you might be able to get them a great talented person, a return to work mum or dad or something like that. Get them part time for a, a three or a six month project just to spearhead this and get it started. I think that is an excellent idea. We call them systems champions. Yeah. And it's definitely something to start it because you need someone other than the business owner who's going to drive it. Oftentimes, even if you have an integrator, they're really busy as well. So you, you kind of need to find that cane, you know, that, that kid I was talking about in the office who can really help to drive yes. it forward. They did that for Portavac. And you touched on another important point. I've got one step to get out of the way. And then I think it speaks to the point you're talking around integrating, which is addressing some of the concerns and resistance, things like people creating job security and having a black box around them. So no one really knows what they're doing because it's, it's definitely an important issue. The step I have just before that is actually, so we go define, assign, extract, and then there's organize. Organize is then just about once you've got those systems and processes, making sure that you have the right software stack, making sure that all of those systems and processes centrally organized. I would elevate beyond just Word documents in a Dropbox folder. You want to make sure that it's easily accessible, that you can assign permissions, that you can embed rich media, that you've got effectively a knowledge base. The other thing that you want to think about is some sort of project management platform, something where you can assign who does what by when. So that way, when you assign a task, you can say, right, this is your task that you need to do. And then you can potentially link to the system or the process that then explains how it's done. So then what we're starting to do is remove any chance of people saying things like, yeah, but I didn't know. Like if yeah, you have a clear yeah. 
process and it's there and they have to, when they tick it off, they'll see it in the description. Then it's much easier to manage someone back on board if they're not delivering to a particular standard that you've already outlined. That's and creates that sense of accountability too, right? If there's time and date, right? If there's no date assigned to it, probably not going to happen. Every now and then yeah. you get those go-getters, it'll do it. But man, it, it helps to have that accountability. A hundred percent. And then that kind of speaks to the next step, which is the integrate, which is step number five. It's about getting the buy-in from the staff because there are a few things here. It's firstly, when you introduce the idea of systems, as I said, right at the start, now is one of the easiest times that you'll ever have to introduce the topic of systems. That said though, there will still be resistance that why do I have to change? Some people will have by design created this black box. People don't know how long certain tasks take. So they give themselves, you know, extra space because no one really understands what they're doing and they don't want the light shone on what work they're doing because that potentially could put their position at risk. So there's a few stages that you go through to really approach this. The first one is you recognize not everybody's going to be like that. And you also want to think in terms of how do you position this as the benefit to the individual rather than thinking about it as the benefit to the business. So the benefit to the individual, it'll vary from person to person. But I often say to people, look, I know you like to go away on holidays and when you take a week off and you come back and there's a million emails in your inbox and tasks haven't moved forward, no one likes that. It takes you the next three months trying to catch up for the one week off that you had. But if we can systemize, we can then get team members to keep things moving forward. So when you come back, you just hit the ground running. That, that might be one approach. Another approach might be saying, if you want to work your way up in the organization and move into a more senior position, I need you to systemize and capture what you're doing and start to delegate your tasks down to lower cost team members, which yeah. then makes you more valuable and then elevates you up. It's all about thinking about the individual. That's probably the biggest takeaway here. Some people will embrace it. And when you do have the resistance, you have to remember longer term, what we're looking at doing here is changing the, the value structure and the culture within the organization. We want the team to become a systems thinking team. Right. So if there may or may not be people in your organization who got you up to where you are, but they might not grow you through to that next level, they might not be the right fit. It's better you spot that sooner rather than later. And also keep in mind all of the resistance happens upfront when you're introducing this. Once you've stuck with it for six, 12 months and you've got new team members on board, all the new team members, this is all they've ever known. True. So they don't have any resistance. It's just like, that's just how we do things here. So all of the resistance, that's why one of the reasons why people get stuck with systemization is because they meet the resistance up front and they go, oh, this is too hard. And then they stop. The bigger the team grows, the harder it gets. So I always say the sweet spot is anywhere between probably about five staff and 25 staff. Once you get bigger than that, it starts to get exponentially more challenging to have a cultural change because people are stuck in the ways of doing things. That I feel, because it really speaks to change management, is, is definitely one of the biggest topics in systemology it's getting the buy-in from the staff because you can have great systems. They can be documented. You can have the right software, but if people don't follow them, then it's not really worth anything no, anyway. Not. Yeah. I may think that's the biggest problem. And, you know, I found in enterprise corporate, they've, these companies have been around for a while. 
this is the way we've always done it or try to do a different process. Well, that's not my job or everything was siloed. So I'm a hundred percent with you. The earlier, I know you said five to 20 or five to 25, man, if you can get started at five, even just the baby steps, right? Yes. Part of that culture, it's going to go with you versus trying to put the brakes on and, and start to, as they say, you know, pave the road as you're driving down it, right? It's much easier to pave the road a little bit ahead as, as you go, but I'm with you. I think that is so, that's such an important topic. And I think because I got really started at the other end of town, I haven't had as much experience as you in the big corporate space. For that reason, for there was a period there, I didn't really understand and appreciate culture and values and the mission and things like that for the business. And now I realize they are so important for a business, even in the early days, because what that does is that's what attracts the right team members in. And then when your team start doing things, they look to what other people are doing to decide what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior. So getting that culture right and building systems thinking in right up front, you're right. It's like putting a a train track down and well laying it into the future, it's going to be much easier for you. You're giving it the right framework. So I feel like that integrate stage now, once you kind of start to get some of the team on board, you move to the second last stage, which is the scale stage. And the scale is all about starting to fill the holes or thinking about systemizing the business as a whole. So if you think of your business in terms of departments, sales, marketing, HR, operations, finance, management, and the critical client flow addresses some of the parts, but we didn't go into detail things in our finance systems, things like paying wages or making sure that invoices are paid on time. We didn't go into management systems. What is your meeting rhythm and cadence look like? What are your HR systems? How do you hire great staff and onboard great staff? So you go through a similar process to designing the critical client flow, but you do it for a department. It's almost like a department critical flow. And you find what are the 80, 20, those 20 systems that really are the bulk of that department. In the systemology book, I do give some suggestions on where you start and a framework for how you go through that exercise. But it's like a real easy one. I often think, let's say for the finance department, just think in terms of the periodicity. So think finance department, then think what happens regularly, what happens weekly, what happens monthly, what happens quarterly, what happens annually. And then underneath each of those headings, write two or three things that are critical to make that department function well. And then that becomes your starting point. And then you actually just circle back around to the earlier stages in systemology. You've effectively just defined again. Now you look at a sign, who has that knowledge, then we extract and then we organize. And we go all the way through till we start to round out the business so that it's in a position that as we start to scale and, you know, turn up business and the number of team members that are coming into the business, that the wheels don't fall off, that the, the machine still continues to operate. And that's what the scale stage is about. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, when I talk to founders and definitely startups as they start to grow and systems process and the bigger picture is, you know, if you're just the founder and maybe one other person, you're growing, you know, so we've talked hand-to-hand combat, you're growing, you're bringing customers in, probably leveraging your network, but then you get to start to have a process or a system for expanding beyond that, right, to your, your point. So how do you handle a lead when it comes in? What is your sales process? But don't necessarily fast forward immediately to say, hey, here's our entire 
process like HR finance, right? Because if you can't scale it, you're not yeah. going to have to worry about the HR yeah. finance. But I love what you're saying is that be thinking about it as you go. You know, you're going to have to fill in the gaps organizationally yes. with those processes as you get to a certain level, right? Because it's a linear process, like you will have at that point documented all of your critical client flow. So you'll now be able to scale the bare bones delivery of that product or service. And then you're right. Then we start bolting on the other pieces. And then I also see sometimes people will redo the critical client flow. They might have two or three products, but I always caution people upfront. You have to be careful. You, you want to get through to completion first before you go back and then you have another go at it because then what you end up doing is you get back to the problem of the overwhelm. You've now gone, well, now I've doubled or tripled the amount of systems I need to focus on. And the whole purpose of the critical client flow is just to give you focus to make this a very manageable process that gets you sort of some momentum. And the good thing is oftentimes a lot of those systems can transfer into other critical client flows or, you know, the, the way that you invoice for one product is going to be the same way that you invoice for all of your products. And then we move to the last stage and that speaks to what we were talking about earlier, this idea that, you know, we shouldn't be chasing for perfection straight out of the gate. We're not trying to systemize like McDonald's. And the last stage is optimization. And it's a little bit counterintuitive because when people start the process, they inevitably see holes in what they're doing and they'll, they'll go, Oh, we want to do this. And they'll try and re-engineer. But part of the magic of systemology is, the step number two, a sign where identifying the knowledgeable worker who already knows how to do things to a good standard. It is already delivery. So all we're doing is modeling what they're doing and bringing everybody up to that standard that alone can create significant wins in the business. And it's not until we get a baseline optimization for me is now all about, well, let's put some dashboards in place. Let's start to monitor some metrics because now your dashboard and your numbers mean something because at least everybody's following a consistent approach. Right. So now if you want to start moving the dials and tweaking things and re-engineering systems, you've got a baseline and it's much easier to pull a chunk out and completely re-engineer it and then put it back in and see, well, how does that affect the metrics and does that get the result? It's also the time if you want to, shortcut like i think this is a perfect time for with people like yourself brett who are area and subject matter experts who know how to do something really really well they might come in and go oh you can now re-engineer this piece like i can see your baseline i can see your metrics and i can see these challenges you're having if we just completely rewrite the way that you're doing the sales process and i can help you do that and then we insert it back into the system we just solve 10 or 15 of your problems. I feel like systemology is just a, a great way also to prepare you if you are working with experts and consultants, because you actually give them something really solid for them to work with. Versus a nothing with no process and you've got to build the process, then you got to optimize the process. And that a hundred percent agree with you. And, and you know, one of the things as you were going through that optimize former colleague of mine used to tell me all the time, you know, that done is better than perfect, right? <laughs> so yes, it's something done and then you can work towards perfect. And I think we all struggle with that at times. So man, that's fantastic. And it's straightforward. That's what, like I said, I really like about this. So if you're a 
newbie to process or you know it's important which everybody to your point i think everybody knows it's important you're just looking for a good way to get started this is it and the thing i did want to mention and i meant to do it earlier is you got a ton of free content on your website and materials and i know you're very generous with your time to go through the steps today so hopefully everybody did take notes but you know with the book coming out I want to hold that thought on the book coming out because I do want to, one last question on the business is you've, you've got the book coming out. So what's next for you? Is it hundred percent focused on the book? Or are you already looking down the horizon? The dream for our business is to free all business owners worldwide from the day-to-day operations of running the business. So it's to get the business owner out. So to do that, I think the biggest thing that I've recognized is we now need messengers and there's also a portion, a good number of people who just say, I still need some help. Like I've got the tool set, I've developed everything and you've got some real drivers. So I'm developing on the lookout for what we'll call systemologists. And we're going to train up and certify systemologists who work with business owners then to help with the implementation of this. And that's my next piece that I'm working on. Like the book comes out and we're building all the resources and tools around that for, for the do-it-yourselfer. And then working on that community. That's kind of like my next piece a little bit further down the road is not for everybody, but it's, it's might be for like that person that you said, it's that it might be an ex corporate person who might be able to kind of move over and they could be a really valuable asset to a a business owner that doesn't get this stuff and wants the result, but they're not the person And I think that's the person we're going to be looking for to help spread the message. Yeah, that's awesome. And the book comes out August 17th, 18th? 18th, yeah, there we go. Um, August 18th, 2020. So, which I believe actually that might work out to be the 17th uh, in the US. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had it right on both both accounts. And yeah, (laughs) by the time this episode airs, it's going to be pretty close. And what I'll do is put in the show notes a link to where more information on the book. We'll put the link to... You're right. So from a, if people want to find you and they're just listening, they may not be checking the notes. What's the best place for, for folks to, to track you down and reach out? Best is to head over to systemology.com forward slash book. From there, they can get the links through to Amazon and Audible, depending on um, how they want to get it. And then also there's all my social media links and things like that. I've got a podcast. It's a little bit different from yours. I've, I wanted to try and create a podcast where all I did was I found problems out. Like I've got problems in my business. I thought about the problem and I thought, well, let's go find the person who knows how to solve that problem. I interview them. I get them to tell me their process step-by-step. And then I give that interview to my team to document it and turn it into a system or a process. It's called business processes simplified. You'll get to it from the systemology.com forward slash book link. But again, it speaks to that idea that creating systems and processes is a two-person job. Oftentimes, most of the problems in business have been solved. Like business owners and business leaders have come before you and they've solved these quite recurring problems that happen in business. So finding the person who knows that and then following their process that is the quickest shortcut to move through. And that's why people listen to things like this podcast because you're solving those problems for them. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? I'm a a big believer after splitting time between corporate and startup and you know, if the work's done and you can use it flattery, what is it? It's getting late. The analogy (laughs) copying is a sincerest form of flattery or whatever. Yeah. 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 So 
No, I, I really appreciate you're really generous with your time today. I appreciate it. I think this is going to help a lot of business owners, you know, and if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know, one of the biggest things I advocate for it's businesses don't scale because it's an execution issue. It's not an idea issue. And I think this is at the core and the heart of, of helping these businesses grow. So, but I am not going to let you off the hook without asking the one final question, which I ask all my guests is, what is one thing that you would highly recommend? And it could be professional or personal. It's top uh, of biggest mind. Biggest thing I would recommend is you want to try and build a business or build a business where you don't deliver the thing. Maybe that means that you start a little side hustle or maybe you try and do it in your existing business. It's always really challenging to do if it's in your existing business and you've delivered and been involved in that thing from day dot. When you build a business where you can't mow the lawn, where you can't be the hairdresser, where you can't be the cook or the bottle washer or whatever it is, if you can build a business and make it work and make money, your life will change. Your business changes. Your whole perspective on business changes. That's as a founder, getting out of the business is the lesson that you need to learn here. I think that's such great advice. And like I said, it took me a long time to figure that out because you, you mean, you think you, you know everything. Well, maybe not know everything, but nobody can do it the same way you do it. And it's until you step back and put some of the processes in place to allow others to do it. I think that's great advice and a, a perfect way to cap off this episode. And I circle back with you here after the book launch, see how things are going, check in, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot of questions and, and feedback coming off of this. So Dave, thank you very much. Thanks for getting up a little bit early in Australia and chatting with us and best of luck with the book launch. Thanks, Brett. All the best. All right. Cheers. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.